Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you are here, Lord. And I ask that you breathe on us, your Holy Spirit, your breath of life. Breathe into us anew, O God. Restore, redeem, and sanctify us, Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone on YouTube this morning that's with us. You know, as I uh, was reflecting on today's gospel reading over the past week, I had a song playing in my head. And um, it just played over and over and over. You ever get a song stuck in your head and no matter what, it might be plop, plop, fizz, fizz, and you're like, why am I singing that? Right? Well, this song got stuck in my head and it happens to be a song called Crumbling Down, Crumbling Down by John Cougar Mellencamp. You may be familiar with that song, right? When the walls come crumbling down, when the walls come crumbling, crumbling, when the walls come tumbling, tumbling down. Well, he released this 40 years ago, believe it or not. Uh, so if you're familiar with it from your teenage years, you're officially getting older. And, and in, in, in this song, though, Mellencamp asked the question, what to do when success eventually fades? Or what, what do we do when a big-time deal falls apart? Uh, what do we do when the institutions that we trust in, the governments or whatever they may be, begin to crumble? What do we do when life as we know it falls apart? When the wall... I'm not going to, I can't do him because if, if I could, I wouldn't be here, right? Uh, you get it? Yeah, all right. I would have sold 65 million albums. But nevertheless... What do we do when the walls come crumbling down? When the walls come crumbling and tumbling down, what do we do? Because I suspect that every person in this room um, either is living in that at the moment or can recall a moment in your life when the walls of your life felt like they were crumbling down. It could be a million different reasons. Perhaps it's a betrayal by someone you loved and someone you trusted that, that betrayed you and left your heart shattered. And when this happens, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's not easy. It's painful. It's scary. It's dark. It's... You feel alone and hopeless. Maybe it's the phone call informing you of a negative medical diagnosis or a loss of a business or job, or the rejection letter from your dream college. You know, you knew you were going to Stanford. You knew you were going to go to Harvard. You knew you were going to wherever. And you get that rejection letter. It's like the walls of all that you've planned, right? Your dreams become, they start to crumble down. Or a loss of a loved one, someone you love dearly, and they, and they cross through those gates of larger life and enter the land of light and joy. But your world feels like the walls of your life and everything as you knew it have come crumbling down. Addictions, you name it. All of these can be moments in our lives when the walls 
that we've constructed or the walls that we believe could give us our identity and our comfort and our stability and our security and our purpose. They come crumbling down. And when that happens, it's a very, it's a place of a disillusionment, right? When this happens, you know what I'm talking about. You feel very disillusioned. And you know the word disillusion actually means loss of illusion. And when these happen, when the walls come crumbling down and we're left there, it feels like we've lost our illusions. That's a Guns N' Roses album. Never mind. And, and we feel like we've lost our illusion, though, about ourselves, about our world, about God. I mean, crumbling walls have a way, though, to make us pay attention. They, they kind of force us, if you will, to take notice. They kind of wake us up sometimes, don't they? I mean, as dark and as ugly and as painful and as whatever word you want to put there, you know, they force us to take notice and see things differently. And sometimes when it happens, and if you've gone through this and you've gone through that in a deep and profound way, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because they can help you see things in a way that you've never seen them before, in a new way. You can come to know that your sense of disconnection from God is really truly an illusion because it's in that place where the walls come crumbling down. Come crumbling. That's where God will meet you. And that nothing, nothing human can stop the flow of God's divine love into your life. And Jesus, in today's gospel, gives us a message of profound hope and profound promise of God's presence with us when the life's walls come crumbling down. And it's easier to preach than it is to live it. It's easier to preach than it is to experience it. But Jesus was teaching in the temple the center of Jewish life, the cultural center of power, identity, and worship. And the people were there, and they were interacting with Jesus, and they were in awe of this temple. Ah, man, they were awed by its beauty, right? I mean, it had recently been refurbished by Herod the Great, and it had taken several decades to complete. And sparing no expense, Herod had employed the most talented artisans to, to use the best materials available. White marble, beautiful marble, marble, all the way through. Blue, scarlet, and purple fine linen tape, tapestries formed a veil at, at the entrance. Gold and silver gates and gold-plated walls and gold-plated ad doors uh, adorned the temple. This place was done well, extremely well, almost as nice as ours, all right? And the people were there, and they were raving about this architectural marvel, and they see in it this religious certainty and the permanence in those glittering walls, uh, uh, that what it displayed to the world, that God is there. And they were in awe of this place, and they were talking to Jesus about it. And it's funny, they saw something, but Jesus being Jesus, right? He always sees something else, doesn't he? He doesn't necessarily see like we see. Jesus sees something else. 
And it's crazy and it's scary because Jesus sees ruins. He sees fragility, not stability. Jesus sees what actually must come crumbling down before new life, new hope, and ultimately life eternal will emerge. And you've got to remember this. This is important. Don't go to sleep on me. Okay. The temple represented the abiding presence of God with those people, right? It was the center of their communal life and identity. And Jesus now, who is the embodied presence of God on earth, is essentially asserting that this holy symbol will be destroyed completely. That is shocking. That is shocking. And he knew what this would do to the hearts of those people. But it is definitely a reminder that every human construction passes away. It just does at some point, right? Katrina and I were walking on the beach a couple years ago. And we were admiring all the beautiful homes along the beach and the waves and the people, you know, holding hands, all that good fun stuff. And I had this kind of bizarre thought. I said, you know, sweetheart, in a hundred years, none of this will be here. Isn't that a trip? Things pass away. Things go. But Jesus... You could say this is Jesus' way of saying that those who live in the eternal love of God need not be afraid of death, of change, of opposition, of anything. When the walls come crumbling down, God did not abandon you, see? But that God is in this. This passage is often described as apocalyptic. Y'all know that word? Apocalyptic which is often defined as catastrophe or complete destruction. And a lot of guys have made money on television talking about end times, right? But the Greek word for apocalypse actually comes from a word that means revelation, an unveiling. To experience an apocalypse is to experience fresh insight, a new way of seeing, to apprehend reality as we've never apprehended it before. Be with that for a second. Because I look at this and I think, I've got to preach this, man. But in my lived experience, when I'm confronted with my own personal apocalypse, when it looks like everything has come crumbling down, I know now that this is indeed truly an invitation for a fresh new life and a new perspective. As I said, it's easier to preach it than it is to live it. It just is. But when the walls of your life come crashing down and you, and you know and it hurts, it's deep, and, and you can't control it with just your mind, right? 
It's just like it's taken possession of you almost. And the darkness is so real and the pain is just unbearable, right? And, and, and you, you sometimes maybe think, gosh, if I could just go to sleep and not wake up, it would be so much better. Jesus seems to be, be suggesting that it's at that place that God can fully enter into your life and do something that you cannot imagine, that God can bring new life into this in a way that you've never known before. That's why I have on the cover Leonard Cohen's song, the quote, there's a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. Because sometimes when the walls come crumbling down in our lives, it's only then that we're perceptive, awake enough to allow God's grace and mercy into our lives to do something in us that we could never do before. Because the truth is, we want to be in control. And as long as I'm in control, God isn't. But we know that Control is a complete illusion. I know that you know what I'm talking about. See, Jesus' followers did not ask him how he knew about this temple's decline and demise. They only asked him when this destruction is going to take place. Hey, when's this going to happen? Like, I want to get prepared for this, right? I, I, I want to get control, right? And isn't that what we do, too, on some levels? I mean, uh, when we're confronted with a life change, I mean, you get a new choir director for a weekend or a new choir director and an organist for a weekend, that will just throw your life around. And you don't know what... I'm kidding, all right? But when we're confronted with these things, um, we start to ask questions. What does this mean? What will happen to me? What will happen now? What do I do? How do I get through this? You know what I'm talking about? And in that moment, it can lead to despair. It can lead to uh, a sense of hopelessness and, and, or, or anger and resentment or looking for someone to blame, especially God, Right? I'm like, God, why did you allow this to happen? I'm a good dude. Like, I, sort of. Right? I mean, why did you allow this to happen to me? Henry Nowen says, and Andrew reminded me of this, he says, every time there are losses, there are choices to be made. You choose to live your losses as passages to anger and blame and hatred and depression and resentment or... You choose to let those losses be passages to something new, something wider, and something deeper. The question is not how to avoid loss and how not to make it how to make it not happen, but how to choose it as a passage, as an exodus to a greater life and freedom. Wow, it's so easy to say. And so more challenging to live. And it's the truth. Jesus responds to their question like, hey, when's all this going to happen? He says, beware, beware that you're not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he. 
and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, he says, do not be terrified. In other words, I think what Jesus may be saying here is that no matter what the world looks like or feels like, even if you think the country is in shambles, don't be led astray by the gloom and doom voices attempting or tempting you to follow them. Don't allow them to be the ones to set the agenda for your life and what you're going to do and how you're going to live. Don't allow your life to be controlled or determined by fear. But he's saying trust, believe, hope, never give up. Be faithful, he says, until the end. And you will gain your soul. Because here's the truth. God is still God. And always and everywhere, God is a God of love. I was having a conversation just a few minutes ago before the service, and I said, you know, theologically, I believe God loves me. I know He does. I know it. Theologically. The Bible says it, right? It's my mom. Well, the Bible, you know, says it, right? It's one thing to believe it intellectually. It's quite another thing to let that love come into you in such a deep, profound way that you experience it. And I'm not talking about, hey, I got my, f- my favorite new car, my favorite home, my favorite this, God must love me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the walls come crumbling down and I feel like I don't want to wake up. I need a God who will come to me and enter in to those broken places and love me there until he loves me enough till it heals me and restores me and brings me to a complete new understanding of myself and everything else. And this is what Jesus is getting to. Our canticle that we just read says, Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense And he will be my savior. What's he saying? What is this pointing to? What's Jesus getting at? Jesus is essentially saying, God is indeed A, real, and B, hope, and C, your power. He is the power of hope over despair, providing wisdom, he says, I will give you wisdom in the face of uncertainty. He is the power of love over hate, demonstrating love in the face of fear. He's the power of perseverance in the face of pain, the power of protection in the face of adversity. And most importantly, he demonstrates by his own life that he is the power over death, the power of life over death. And he invites us into this. So when the walls come crumbling down, it's not the end of our story. It just isn't. And even though it feels like it, it isn't. Because God isn't finished. And God is ultimately God. And the lords and the presidents and all the leaders of this world are not. See, this is a beginning of a new life. And God is, Jesus is saying, that God 
is with you. And notice this. Jesus says this. I like how he says, oh, you're going to be persecuted. Your families will turn off because of me. He says, some of you will get hurt. Some of you, some of you will be put to death. And I'm like, whoa. He said that. Then he says, but not a hair on your head will perish. Isn't that crazy? He says, this will give you an opportunity to testify. And I've heard people testify. I've heard people testify of their lives when cancer comes, when Alzheimer's comes, when all these things in the world comes crumbling down around them and the God who is steps into their life and meets them there. They have a testimony. They have a story to tell in the face of the fear, in the face of the uncertainty, in the face of the addictions, in the face of the doubt, in the face of everything. They've got a different story to tell. When Putin attacks, when the country is divided, when hate and persecution and injustice and fear and uncertainty fill the airways and the walls come crumbling down, Jesus says, this is your opportunity to tell a different story. To not give in to the fear and the doubt and the hate and all of that other stuff. This is your opportunity, he says, to testify, to tell a different story, to speak the gospel, the God's honest truth, the good news to the brokenhearted, to sow love in the face of hatred, to offer hope in the face of despair, to practice faith in the face of fear. Jesus says, now and then will be the time to testify, to tell a different story to this broken heart world who's so desperately in need for a different story. Jesus says now is the time to testify, to let your light shine through those crumbling walls in this world, to proclaim that all people, that all people matter to God, that are valued and beautiful and wonderfully made and in the image of God, to testify to the power of Jesus Christ to reconcile and forgive, to transform and to redeem. Now, Jesus says, when the walls come trumbling, crumbling down is your opportunity to tell a different story than what Fox News will tell you and CNN will tell you, then all the websites that we read every day will tell you, now, Jesus says, is a different time, a new time to tell a different story. Because when the walls come tumbling down, now, he says, is the time to actually live, to testify with your life whom you trust. And can you trust that the nightmare that haunts you every night, that God can transform that into the dreams of His kingdom. Jesus says, when you tell a different story, when you tell a different story than what the world's giving you, He says, I will be with you. It will be me that sustains you. That I, he says, will live and speak through you. When the walls come crumbling down, tell a different story. The story of God. 
because now is the time that God will do His greatest work in and through us. Stone by stone, God will resurrect our lives into His temple. Tell a different story. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.